This is the Decoding Obesity Podcast, where we simplify, demystify, and decode obesity, helping you lose weight and feel great. So gear up for a fascinating journey through this ever-evolving field, and let's see what we find. And please remember that the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice. Don't forget to visit our website, www.decodingobesity.com, for show notes and more info. And now, here's your host of the Decoding Obesity Podcast, Dr. Avishkar Sabarwal. So the USDA or the US Department of Agriculture just came out with the latest dietary guidelines for the American population. Do you know what they say? Let's find out. Hi friends, welcome. Before we dive into this episode, I want to discuss something very important with you. I have been requesting you to leave me a review for my podcast on almost all my episodes thus far. While this may seem like a small thing, but friends, this is actually very important. Whenever you go to shop for something online, what is the first thing that you look for? When you go to a restaurant, what do you look at before looking at the menu? What are other people saying about it? Just like that, reviews for my podcast from you can help other people know that they are at the right place. Not only that, the more reviews I get, the more it gets pushed up in the algorithm to help others discover it. I know the importance of goal setting, so I have decided to set a goal for myself. Now I need your help to reach that goal. I'm aiming for at least a thousand reviews on Apple Podcasts in 2021. All of you who are listening can help me. All you have to do is to head on over to Apple Podcasts if you have an iPhone or Apple Podcasts on your computer if you have an Android device and click on that little column where it says write a review and just leave your review there. That's it. It's very simple. Not only will it help others discover the podcast, but also help me understand how I am doing. Feedback is so important for all of us. So please, please, pretty please help me. Help me serve you better and reach many others. Head on to write a review section on Apple Podcasts and please leave your review. Okay, I have some exciting news. Next week, I'm going to be launching something very exciting. I'm not going to disclose it this week. Make sure you tune in to next week's episode to know more about it. Get others to tune in as well because this is something amazing that I'm launching. Okay, getting back to the episode. For those of you who do not know, USDA publishes its guidelines once every five years. Let's talk a bit about these guidelines published by the USDA. You see, the first dietary guidelines came about in 1977. There was a committee called the Senate Select Committee on Nutrition and Human Needs, which was initially formed with the agenda of, you know, forming programs to eliminate hunger. But later on, it changed and incorporated the formulation of dietary guidelines as more evidence was found linking diet to chronic diseases like cardiovascular diseases, etc. So the committee expanded its focus and basically started issuing these guidelines. But the first guidelines that were really published were in 1977. So the committee really recognized that, you know, healthy diets play a very important role in promoting health, increasing productivity and reducing healthcare costs. The American diet had changed and what they found in 1970s was that, you know, it had changed over the last 50 years and people needed guidance to improve their health through better nutrition. And they also felt that, you know, the government had a very important role to play in guiding the Americans as the nutritional sciences advanced and basically to help them have a healthier diet. So the first edition actually came out in 1977 and basically it said was, and I'm going to read it point wise, point one was increase carbohydrate consumption to account for 55 to 60% of the energy intake. 
Number two, reduce overall fat consumption from approximately 40 to 30% energy intake. Reduce saturated fat to account for about 10% of the total energy intake. And balance that with polyunsaturated and monounsaturated fats, which should account for about 10% energy each. Reduce cholesterol consumption to about 300 milligrams a day. Reduce sugar consumption by about 40% to account for about 15% of the total energy intake. Reduce salt consumption by about 50 to 85% to approximately 3 grams a day. The committee also suggested specific changes in food selection and preparation to achieve these dietary goals, which were increased consumption of fruits and vegetables and whole grains, decreased consumption of meat, and increased consumption of poultry and fish. Decrease consumption of foods high in fat and partially substitute polyunsaturated fat for saturated fat. Substitute non-fat for whole milk. Decrease consumption of butter fat, eggs and other high cholesterol sources. Decrease consumption of sugar and foods high in sugar content. And decrease consumption of salt and foods high in salt content. Now this was the first edition, mind you, which was released in January 1977. And interestingly, just nine months later, in September of 1977, McGovern issued a revision of these guidelines, which were later printed in December. So what was different about the amended version was that initially they had recommended decreasing the consumption of meat and increase the consumption of poultry and fish. But in the September version, what they said was decrease the consumption of animal fat and choose meat, poultry and fish, which will reduce saturated fat intake. This was a big change because, you know, what it brought about was essentially forcing America into a low-fat era. Now, in all fairness, you know, the committee hoped that these recommendations would kind of alleviate the prevalence of all diseases related to death, all these non-communicable diseases like cancer, obesity, and stroke. But at that point in time, they really their main focus changed to dietary fat, linking it to the cardiovascular disease. And that's why America was kind of pushed into the low-fat era. And in 1979, you know, the committee retired and USDA took over this task in conjunction with the HHS. So till 1990, for the most part, the recommendations were similar. The major change in 1990 was rewording the guidelines from negative, that is, from the words avoid, to actually positive, that is, choosing something else. In the ensuing years, physical activity was added, special populations were added, along with some other changes. What we've realized over the years from advances in nutritional science is that foods and diet patterns rather than nutrient-focused metrics explain many effects of diet on chronic diseases. So let's talk about the latest guidelines which were just recently released. And these are the guidelines for 2020 to 2025. So what they say is follow a healthy dietary pattern at every life stage. Customize and enjoy nutrient-dense food and beverage choices to reflect personal preferences, cultural traditions, and budgetary considerations. Focus on meeting food group needs with nutrient-dense foods and beverages and stay within calorie limits. Limit foods and beverages higher in added sugars, saturated fat and sodium, and limit alcoholic beverages. So according to the guidelines, the core elements that make up a healthy dietary pattern are vegetables of all types, fruits, especially whole fruits, grains, and they say that you know at least 50% of the grains should be whole grains, dairy, including fat-free or low-fat milk, yogurt and cheese, and lactose-free versions if you want, fortified soy beverages, and yogurt as alternatives. Protein foods, including lean meats, poultry and eggs, seafood, beans, peas, lentils, etc., and oils, including vegetable oils, and oils in food, such as seafood and nuts. 
as far as limiting certain foods go they mentioned quote and quote a healthy dietary pattern doesn't have much room for extra added sugar saturated fat or sodium or for alcoholic beverages a small amount of added sugar saturated fat or sodium can be added to nutrient dense foods and beverages to help meet food group recommendations but food and beverages high in these components should be limited and then they go on and enumerate what are the limitations which i'm going to talk about because there were some controversies about this so they recommend that you know the added sugars should be limited to about 10% of the calorie intake starting at the age of 2 and before the age of 2 you have to avoid everything with added sugar and saturated fat again less than 10% of the calorie should be from saturated fat starting at the age of 2 for sodium they say less than 2300 mg per day and for alcohol they say less than 2 drinks for men and less than 1 drink for women per day So there has been some criticism also about these guidelines. They do talk about choosing a variety of options from each group. Now, interestingly, they mention that all forms of foods including fresh, canned, dried, frozen and 100% juices in nutrient-dense forms can be included in healthy dietary patterns. And if you look at the original 1977 guidelines, they actually emphasized on using fresh or frozen foods over canned foods. They said they're probably lower in nutrient quality. And as far as juices go, we know that they are not healthy because they are really devoid of the natural fiber from the fruits. So I think this is something kind of controversial they are mentioning. But interestingly, when you look at the dietary guidelines themselves, for the adults they do not mention this, but for children they actually do mention that whole fruits are better than using fruit juices. A very important thing that I came across in these guidelines was the fact that they mention. that even though the total protein intake for Americans is at about the target amount but if you divide it into certain subgroups the Americans do not meet the recommendations for those subgroups for example they say that about 3/4 of the Americans meet or exceed the recommendations for meats poultry and eggs however almost 90% do not meet the recommendation for seafood and more than 50% do not meet the recommendation for nuts seeds and soy products now this is very important to understand because these are additional sources of protein and other nutrients that are there the other thing to take into consideration is the fact that because of the way the proteins are consumed they're usually consumed in forms with higher amounts of saturated fat or sodium for example in sandwiches and casseroles etc and which basically have other ingredients that are not nutrient dense so they mentioned that you know we need to shift the way we consume our protein and start incorporating these other subgroups that people are deficient in for example more seafood more nuts more beans more soy and seeds etc they also talk about replacing the high fat meats such as bacon sausages etc with seafood and with beans peas lentils because that will also help reduce the intake of saturated fat and with the beans peas and lentils it will also increase the dietary fiber intake which is a very very important component Now they talk about the specific food products that we use and I found something very interesting about the oils that they mentioned. They mentioned that the fat in some tropical plants such as coconut oil, palm oil, palm kernel oil are not included in the oil category at all in the dietary recommendations. They say they have a higher percentage of saturated fat than other oils and strategy should be made to shift your cooking medium from these high fats to actually vegetable oils. and decrease the amount of saturated fat including butter shortening margarine etc for the beverages they mentioned that beverages that are either calorie free like water or 
have some beneficial nutrients again this is kind of controversial because they include 100% juice into having beneficial nutrients but they also mention fat free milk and low fat milk should be primary beverages consumed a very interesting concept mentioned in the guidelines is the 8515 rule they say that 85% of calories are needed per day to meet food group recommendations healthfully in nutrient dense forms and 15% of the remaining calories are the ones that are available for other things that may have added sugar saturated fat etc so you can splurge with 15% of your calories but 85% of the calories you do need to eat nutrient dense foods okay now let's talk about the big thing the added sugars the biggest controversy has been the added sugars in these guidelines so the biggest contributors to added sugar are not surprisingly the sugar sweetened beverages at about 24% followed by dessert sweets and snacks at about 19% but the thing that i found really surprising was that you know coffee and tea form 11% which i was shocked to see honestly because america has a coffee culture and to see that you know coffee and tea form such a big chunk of the added sugar category it was very surprising to me i think it just shows how the coffee culture has evolved over time but it was very heartening for me to see that you know there are talks about supporting healthy eating they mentioned some of the things that we've already discussed on this podcast you know like incorporating cooking meals at home in and incorporating kids into this for example they say that for adults who are parents guardians or caregivers of children or adolescents preparing meals also provides an opportunity to teach valuable cooking skills and moral behaviors that support the adoption of healthy dietary patterns across younger life stages now this we've talked about on this podcast and i think this is so important that they mentioned this over here but there are certainly some controversies also for example with regards to obesity specifically they talk about the added sugars now the way the usda guidelines are formed are that there's an advisory committee of a few scientists that look at all the data and then they submit it to the usda and then the usda finally makes the guidelines so the advisory committee based on their analyses actually said that you know the recommendation should be to reduce the added sugar to about 6% or less based on whatever data is available but unfortunately the usda did not reduce it to less than 6% but kept it at 10% or less um this was one of the biggest controversies with regards to obesity and i think now we already know that added sugars are such a big contributor to obesity so something to keep in mind is that you know the data suggests actually that you should keep it less than 6% even the usda guidelines say it should be less than 10% well that's all we have time for today thank you so much everyone for tuning in i hope you found this episode useful with all the information on the usda guidelines for 2020 to 2025 and i hope you are able to incorporate some of the things from these guidelines especially the one thing that i found very very interesting was the 8515 rule and i think that really simplifies things for all of us now don't forget to leave me a review head on over to where it says write a review in apple podcast and just click that and leave your review and don't forget to tune in next week where i will be announcing something really really amazing for all of you make sure you share with others who you think will benefit from this podcast especially for the next episode also because nobody wants to miss that episode I'll see you all next time. You've been listening to the Decoding Obesity podcast. Please remember, the information in this podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely of the host and his guests and do not constitute medical advice. Views and opinions on this show do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of any organization. And that brings us to the end of the show. Thank you so much for listening in. Don't forget to visit our website www.decodingobesity.com for show notes and more info. 
And if you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. Until next time.